Take your Bibles, if you will, this morning, and we'll be turning to the book of Acts yet again, chapter 2, where God's had us here for several weeks. We have been on a, on a journey to understand what it means to be intentional, to do church intentionally. And we've looked at the early church, especially here in the second chapter of Acts, and we've asked, what are the things that the early church did intentionally? They, they did on purpose. They, they planned out. They devoted themselves to. And as we've been looking at that, we've been saying, Lord, how can we be just as intentional, just as determined, just as on purpose in our lives as well? We've already looked at intentional evangelism where we have a plan for how we're going to reach out to our neighbors or our friends or people who live around us in our community. We looked at intentional discipleship. And I'm so excited about things that are on the horizon for that. We'll get to tell you in another week or two. We looked at intentional ministry, being engaged with one another in kingdom purposes. And we looked at intentional worship even last week. And I hope you took some of those things home with you last week to where even today, you're much more prepared to enter into worship than you were even last week. Today and for uh, and next Sunday as well, we want to be talking about intentional fellowship. Intentional fellowship. We want to do that because of all of the words mentioned here, this is probably the one that we really misunderstand or misuse the most. Uh, I asked several people over the course of the last couple of weeks, tell me what fellowship is in terms of the Christian community. What is fellowship? And, and here's what I heard over and over again. Fellowship is Christians getting together to have fun. Christians getting together to have fun. Now, I love to get together to have fun, and I especially like to get together to have fun with brothers and sisters in Christ. But that's not fellowship, Okay. Fellowship is so very, very much more than that. A lot of people say, well, fellowship is always somehow connected with food. Now, you, I heard a couple of amens there, okay? You heard about the, the class at school, and it was a very diverse neighborhood, and the teacher asked the children, will you bring something that identifies your faith with you? And so the next day, a little Jewish boy brought his yarmulke, kippah, and put it on his head and explained that. He said, I'm Jewish, this is my, my yarmulke. And a little girl said, well, I'm, I'm Catholic and this is my rosary. And so she went through the rosary. As one little boy stood up and said, I'm Baptist and this is my casserole dish. Okay. <laughs> somehow, somehow in, in Baptist circles especially, we sure do tend to think about fellowship having something to do with food. And it can, but it doesn't necessarily. It's so much more than that. It's more than just meeting together in a place that we call the fellowship hall to where we can have coffee and donuts together or sit and talk about how things have gone in the, you know, in the, in the day or whatever uh, to, to share a couple of stories or what. It can be so much more than that. And we want to get to the New Testament biblical root of what fellowship is all about. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to understand as we've been teaching so much about the disciples' cross and taking up our cross and following him. When it comes to fellowship, just like last week when we talked about worship, you have a vertical dimension, okay? This dimension up and down. And then you have a horizontal dimension of fellowship. Worship is that way, remember? The up and down part, the vertical part is us communing with God, loving Him, praying with Him, worshiping Him, praising Him, uh, and all of those things. But then as we're doing that, and as we're doing that the way the Bible has us to do that, then there is a horizontal 
dimension to worship, that it, that it affirms one another's, and it also is attractive to the lost. Well, fellowship is very similar to that. It has a vertical and it has a horizontal dimension. And I want you to begin to grasp that this morning. Everything flows out of our vertical dimension with Christ. Everything about our fellowship flows from the vertical relationship. Don't go immediately with having fun with your friends. Though, that's wonderful and there's nothing wrong with that. Fellowship begins as we have fellowship with the Lord. Fellowship begins as we abide in Him and grow in Him. As we live in His Word and understand Him more and grow in more in who He is. As we pray in faith to Him. As we worship all of these things in this vertical relationship. That's where fellowship begins. And we're going to see in the scriptures about that in just a few moments. That our fellowship is right with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Then the fellowship is going to be right on the horizontal plane as well. Well, what is the horizontal plane when it comes to fellowship? The horizontal plane with fellowship is on one side is, fellowship, is spending time with and being engaged with brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? As fellowship relates to the lost world, listen to me, it's only for them to see. It's not for them to participate in. What are you talking about, Brother Fred? Well, if the fellowship can only be out of a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you can't engage in biblical fellowship. That's, that's the, 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 but as in worship, Lost people see genuine believers worshiping and they're drawn to it. They see genuine believers loving one another, caring for one another, praying for one another, admonishing one another, exhorting one another, being hospitable to one another. All of the one another's in your Bible, as they see this, they say, wow, this is something I'm interested in. This is something I would like to have in my own life. That's the role fellowship plays, reaching out to the lost. Specifically, the scripture tells us that this horizontal aspect has to do with assembling of ourselves together as a whole body. Hebrews tells us we shouldn't neglect that. But then also to assemble in smaller groups. You know, it's hard for fellowship to happen in a group this size. Okay? Once you understand what I'm talking about about fellowship, you'll know what I mean. It's easier to happen in smaller groups or even one-on-one or one-on-two or one-on-three kind of relationships. It's sharing the deep communications of what God is doing in our hearts and what he can be doing in the hearts of someone else as well. It has to do with gathering together in worship, sharing the Lord's Supper together, singing his praises together, agonizing in prayer together. All of that togetherness. Now, we see this in a wonderful way in Acts chapter 2. And it was part of what made the church so attractive and drew so many people towards it and why they grew so phenomenally. So let's look at Acts chapter 2. We're going to start reading with verse 42, though the passage really begins much earlier than that. But look at verse 42 and follow along in your Bibles, please. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They, they pursued this tenaciously, okay? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together... And they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple 
and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we would ask that the wonder, the absolute wonder of your presence would flood this place and flood our lives that we would so completely surrender to you and our fellowship to you would be so unhindered that out of our life with you, life with brothers and sisters in Christ grows so meaningful and fruitful and joyful. Lead us to your heart as we open our heart to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In order to understand the importance of fellowship, today we're going to be talking about kind of what it is and what it isn't. And then next week we're going to speak specifically, how can we plan and have intentional fellowship with one another? But first we've got to know what it's not and what it is to where we can clearly understand what we should be intentional about. The Greek words that are translated fellowship in the New Testament talks about relationship that flows out of our relationship with Christ, that flows out of our relationship with the Father, and then it flows to His children round about. Christian fellowship then is, is mutually beneficial to everybody engaged in the process. So the mystery is you have to start with a relationship with Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? If you've never come to the place in your life that you have realized that you're a sinner in need of God's grace, that you have made a mess out of your life and you need someone to help you to straighten your life out. If you've never come there, you, 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 you need to understand that's the first step. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He was Almighty God who became a human being. And He became a human being for a purpose. That purpose was to live a life that kept all the laws and rules and regulations of the Bible, to be absolutely sinless, and then when he died, he died on a cross as a criminal to take the crimes, to take the punishment, to take the shame and the guilt of all mankind upon himself. So when he died, he took my sins and yours upon himself. When he rose again three days later, he did that to where he could provide us with his eternal life. How do I receive that? We simply confess our sins to the Lord. Not every one of them, but the fact that we've been rebellious in our very nature. We confess that to the Lord. And we repent of that. We turn away from that and seek to be doing life God's way. And as we have done that, then we ask Him to become the boss, the king, the ruler, the savior of our lives. He comes into our lives. God Almighty comes into our lives in a strange and wonderful way to where He lives within us. That's phenomenal. That's just phenomenal. He lives within us. And as He lives there, He lives to be the boss, the king, the ruler, in charge of our lives. He nudges us in the right way to go. He pokes us when we're going the wrong way. And He helps us day by day to become more like Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about. That's where the relationship begins. And then it deepens as we spend time with Him in the Word. It deepens as we spend time with Him in prayer. It deepens as we worship Him, as we serve Him obediently. This, this grows within us. So fellowship starts first and foremost with the fellowship 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this horizontal relationship's got to flow out of that. If it doesn't flow out of that, it's going to be weak and it's going to be beggarly. It's not going to be complete. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. This is a fabulous passage. We're going to get to this when, I, when we get off of what we're preaching about right now and get back to John. Uh, we're going to get to the 17th chapter. This is all a prayer. This really is the Lord's prayer. This is Jesus praying in the garden. It's his prayer. And he's praying primarily for those who have followed him these three years and those who are going to follow him because of the testimony of these. And so he is agonizing and praying for them. And what he says over and over again is, Father, I want them to be one, even as you and I are one. That that's, was Jesus' prayer for us, that we have a unity, but the unity is first and foremost with God, and then it flows to unity with one another. Look in chapter 17 and find verse 23. John 17 and find verse 23. Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. And look at this. And may they be brought to complete unity so that the world can know that you sent me and you have loved them even as you have loved me. Complete unity. That is incredible. Complete unity. And this is where fellowship comes from. If you are united with Christ, it's amazing no matter where you go and where you travel, when you meet another Christian, there's a bond there. Have you ever experienced that? I mean, it may be in another state, it may be on the other side of the United States, it may be in another country. But you meet somebody who is genuinely a believer in Jesus Christ, and in no time there is a bond between you. And you find yourself talking about what God is doing in your life and, and, and how he's brought you there. It's just amazing. There is a oneness. There's a kinship. A kinship. And you've never met one another before. But it flows out of that heart that is first given to the Lord Jesus Christ. So just as the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in us, we have a unity with one another out of our unity with God. You see that? You've got to understand fellowship not in terms of having a meal together, not in terms of having fun together, though all of those things are wonderful and they can contribute, but fellowship is so much more than that. This relationship with the Lord is the basis of everything we do. And our, listen to me, we can have friendships and relationships with lost people, and we should but we can only have fellowship with believers in Jesus Christ. There's a difference. Because you've got to have the common bond. And we don't have the common bond with people that are lost. People that are lost can understand an awful lot about our lives, but they can't understand the spiritual dimension. Paul tells us in Corinthians that the natural man, the lost man, cannot perceive, receive, understand, grasp the things of the Spirit of God because they can only be spiritually discerned. So lost people can't grasp what fellowship is. We can have friendship with them, and we should. We can have relationships with them, and we should. But fellowship is something we can only have within the body of Christ. That is imperative. And the importance of true Christian fellowship means that when we meet, listen, we are reinforcing 
that primary relationship we have with God, we're doing that for one another. Let me tell you, fellowship can happen anywhere. But let me tell you some strange places fellowship happens. Fellowship happens at a funeral home when someone has lost a loved one. The Telencos lost a grandson this, week, this weekend. It breaks my heart. When you go to them, not to bring them a meal, though they would appreciate that, but when you go to them, to hurt with them, to pray with them, to love them and walk with them, you are fellowshipping with them. That's fellowship. It's sharing your agony and your heartache with them at the very same time. And folks, that's a bond. And it's uniquely a Christian bond when you're both coming from the place that we know that God is the giver and sustainer of all of life. And He is the one that gives us all the promises of eternal life. Okay? So we can say to that one that is also a Christian, though it hurts so much, we can bear witness that we know this separation is not going to be forever. That this separation is temporary until we're all in God's holy presence. Fellowship can happen there. I saw fellowship happening earlier today, gathered in right out here around Miss Dolores when she fell. Okay? Not just meeting her physical needs, though that was important, but those who pulled off in little groups around there to pray for her. Okay? Fellowship was happening. Fellowship was happening. When somebody is, is hurting and you go by there to be with them, or walk with them. Fellowship is happening. When someone is rejoicing, they just had a child, a brand new child born into that family, and you go and rejoice with them. Fellowship is happening. Are you getting the idea now? Fellowship is, is, not, is, is not tied to having a meal or whatever. Let me, let me give you three thoughts. I want you to hold on to these. Here's the first one. We get biblical fellowship all wrong when we view it as an event and not a lifestyle. When we view it as an event and not a lifestyle. Okay? Many of us have a, a rare condition called meeting-itis. Meeting-itis, okay? It's a chronic condition that can be terminal, I'm here to tell you, to where everything is connected to a meeting. Okay? So, so fellowship is confined to a meeting in the fellowship hall at a particular time. How foolish can that be? Worship and fellowship are the same in this way. And Jesus made it clear when he was speaking at the woman at the well. You can't confine worship to a time and a place. You can't. You can't confine fellowship to a time and a place. You can create an atmosphere where worship can happen. And it may and it might. You, you can create an atmosphere where fellowship can happen. And it may or it may not. If you're afflicted from this condition, you, you're, you're severely limited yourself upon the opportunities. I, I have a joy of meeting with various people during the course of, 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 of most weeks to, to do discipleship with them and help them as they grow in the Lord. It helps me too. Iron sharpens iron in the process. And so... I was talking with a fellow the other day and he was asking me about this and I told him what all was going on and in these various opportunities. And he says, well, well, when and where do you meet? And I said, well, 
it changes. Sometimes it's here, sometimes it's there, and, and, and you know, sometimes it's at this time, sometimes it's at other times. And he was absolutely dumbfounded. Because in his mind, he had affected from meeting Nidus, and you can only happen at a particular time in a particular place. Fellowship happens when men and women of God share their walk together. Okay? And, and this, is, this is key. I want you to, to grasp this. The great word that talks about fellowship, there's a noun form and a verb form. The noun form talks in terms of relationship, community, unity, sharing, okay? And it's first with God and then with others. But the verb form talks about partnership, talks about something you do, talks about being engaged together in the Christian enterprise, there's a partnership, just like a business partnership. Some of you have been in partnerships before. And you know, you do your part, I do my part. Together we share the, the, the proceeds and such. There is a partnership between us. And that partnership flows out of our partnership with the Father. But the partnership that you and I share is in the enterprise of reaching this world for Jesus Christ. That's, that's the company job that we all share. And we're under the head of the company, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, as the Father has sent me, I've sent you. And so we're about him. So, so don't get caught up in letting fellowship be an event. It's a lifestyle. Okay? And secondly, I want you to see the, that the distinction between relationship and partnership. Relationship is what we are. Partnership is what we do. Relationship is the fact that we are united in Jesus Christ. And we are. We're united in Him. We're different. We have, have different hobbies. We have different uh, tastes. We have different things that we like here. But we stand underneath a common umbrella. And the common umbrella, the shaft of that is Jesus Christ and His reach is wide. And we can stand underneath that. Now you get outside of faith in Jesus Christ and you get outside from underneath our umbrella. But the shaft of that is the eternal Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, who's died for our sins, rose again to where we can have eternal life, seated at the right hand of God the Father, where He makes intercession for each and every one of us. That's the shaft of the umbrella. You believe in that, these other things, we have differences as we move further out. But we all agree on that which holds everything up. And so we can come under that umbrella. And because of the oneness we have with God, we can have oneness with one another. But the one, out of that oneness, we don't just come together to meet and be one. That's where we get in trouble. That's when we get stagnant. We come together to meet, to make our plans, and to go out from here to be a part of the enterprise that God has called us into partnership with. Okay? We come here to be encouraged. We come here to be inspired. And we leave here to share the gospel with other people. We leave here to share our story with anyone who will listen. And that's the enterprise. That's the family business that we're a part of. So the relationship leads to the partnership. It's not an event. It's a lifestyle. Secondly, we do get biblical fellowship all wrong when we see that it is optional rather than essential. Okay, I want you to, to, to look here at what the scripture tells us. It says the early church devoted themselves, devoted themselves 
to fellowship. They didn't just occasionally have fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship. They pursued fellowship. They made fellowship a priority. Now, did that involve getting together and breaking bread from house to house? Absolutely. We just read it, didn't we? But what do we do during that times? Okay? I, have, I usually have a meal with my youngest son, Jonathan, every week. And as we get together, we talk about what God's doing in the ministry in our, my life and his life. And, and we talk about the family and such as that. But we, we do a book study or a Bible book study. And we spend moments, we encourage one another in the Lord. We, we pray for one another in the Lord. We, we, we have a unique oneness. It's not about the food we eat. It's not about where we go to eat. It's about what we do over the meal. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. So it's, it's possible to have a Sunday school game night and have tons of fun and not have fellowship. But we can be there and we can have tons of fun and we can share prayer concerns and we can decide, hey, so-and-so family needs some real help. Can we get together and go cut their lawn or whatever we can do? And we can begin to share some of the enterprise, that partnership that we have with Christ to maybe share with that husband or wife about faith in Christ. You see what this is? These events are great, but they're not the fellowship. They give us an opportunity to have fellowship when we are being brothers and sisters with one another in the Lord. That is so important. And here, you want you, when you see is this. This is not optional. This is a command. Did you know that? Let's look and see what the Scriptures have to say, because I want us to link this to the Scripture. We were at 1 John earlier. Go back there, 1 John chapter 1. We read about this oneness in verses 3 and 4. Tony read that earlier. That he said, the oneness that we have with the Father, this is the oneness that we share. But I want you to look at verses 6 and 7 for a moment. It says, if we say we have fellowship with Him, meaning God, that's this fellowship, and walk in darkness, we lie. We lie. And we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, that's walking in this vertical relationship, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. See how it flows? We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sins. But let me show you the command. And for this, you have to go to the Gospel of John. Go to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Because this is not just a sidebar for the Lord Jesus. This is the main stuff. Okay? Because the early church, they were devoted to this. They made this a priority. And what was it they were doing? They were fulfilling this commandment. In John, you find chapter 13, find verse 34. John chapter 13, find verse 34. He says, a new commandment. That's Jesus speaking. A new commandment I give to you. Here it is. That you love one another. How much? As I have loved you. Did you see that? As I have loved you, that you love one another. And by this, by what? By your love for one another. By your love for me and by your love for one another. All people, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is not an 
option. This is a command of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So I want you to understand. You, you don't see this. Well, I, 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 I may have fellowship or I may not have fellowship. Or I'll be in fellowship. or I'm sorry, I'm out of fellowship. No. The command is that we're consistent and persistent in our love. Whether it's accepted or rejected doesn't matter. But we're persistent and consistent with our love. And this is not some general kind of love for, for all humanity. This is love of brothers and sisters in Christ that flows out of their relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it, it spills over into relationships with lost and fellowship with the saved. Finally, number three, we get biblical fellowship wrong when we limit it to just being nice instead of being accountable. You know, being accountable is, is important. Every one of us, me included, we all need to be held accountable. It's not always comfortable, but it's always necessary. And that's part of fellowship. The scriptures tell us if you, if, if you see someone caught in a fault, you don't just sit there and watch them go headlong down into destruction. You have to try to do something about it. You have to, to do what Scripture tells us to try to stand in their way. I've often heard that saying, you know, a friend will never stand in your way unless you're on your way down. And then he'll stand in your way. That's what the Scriptures are telling us. Fellowship is about seeking the good of others and giving yourself to it, being devoted to it. It's about, can I tell you again about the one another's? I, one Sunday soon, I'm just going to need to do this. I'm going to read our church covenant. Many of you know it. Some of you helped to write it. But I'm going to bring it with me on a, on a Sunday morning. We're just going to read it together. Because it's based on the one another's in the Bible. And it calls upon us to love one another, to be faithful to one another, to pray for one another, to, to be hospitable to one another, to, to encourage one another, even to confront one another in love. And, and I just want to read over that to where you can see all combined in one place what the Scripture tells us how we're supposed to be in relation to one another. Finally, here's what's the takeaway. What, what do I want you to leave with today? Let me give you three things and then we'll, then we'll go. Remember, if we're going to be intentional... Intentional means you have to have a plan, okay? If I want to be intentional about going hunting, and some of you are getting the itch right now, okay? If I'm going to be intentional about going hunting, it's getting close to be deer season and such, if I'm going to be intentional about that, I'm going to be cleaning my weapon, I'm going to be sighting and zeroing it in, okay? I'm going to be sure I've got uh, fresh ammunition, I'm going to be getting, being sure all my camo gear is, is together and such as that. I will have already gone ahead and checked out my deer stand where I want to be. I will be making plans for that because I know on a particular day when deer season opens that with all of that preparation done, I'm going to be there. Okay? That's being intentional about going deer hunting. Okay? If you're going to be intentional about going and seeing your grandkids, you look at your calendar, you decide on the day, and you do every, all the planning ahead of time. You get the car filled up with gas, all the things you have to do, and you make a plan. What's it mean to be intentional about fellowship? What's it mean to be devoted to the fellowship? We're going to really get into that next week, but right now, three questions for you. First of all, have I been guilty 
of equating fellowship with an event or a meeting or an activity. Have I been guilty of so trivializing fellowship that it's something that, that it's just an, an option out there? I may or may not want to participate in it. Have I, ha, will I be intentional to learn what real fellowship is? That it's deep sharing from my relationship with Christ to somebody else that I love like a brother or a sister. Second, have I been guilty of focusing too much on my needs and not enough on meeting the needs of others? Let me tell you how this can go wrong. If my vertical relationship with God is all about God, I need this, and God give me this, and, and God help me here, and God do this, and God do that, and it's all about me, what do you think my horizontal relationship is going to be like? Yeah, all about me. Getting, getting my needs met. If my vertical relationship with God is He is a real strict taskmaster and He writes all these rules and I have to keep all these rules legalistically, one right after the other, what is my horizontal relationship going to be like? Very pharisaical. Very legalistic. Okay? So you've got to have the vertical relationship right and then it's going to enable the horizontal relationship to be right as well. So I have to ask my question, will I intentionally focus not so much on meeting my own needs, but as I meet the needs of a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, wow, I find many of my own needs are being met in the process. And finally, have I considered fellowship just an option? Eh, take it, leave it. Will I intentionally determine to be obedient to the command of Jesus Christ? That getting in close relationships, opportunities that I can share prayer and love and encouragement or whatever it is with a brother or sister in Christ, I will be intentional about learning how to do that. That's going to get us ready for next week when we talk about intentional fellowship. But right now I'm wondering is there someone here today that maybe has not taken the first step? That you didn't realize that God was extremely intentional to reach out to you. God was intentional even about you being here in this place today. And using all kinds of different things that led up to your being here today. Your being here today is not an accident. Your being here today is providential. That you can hear how much He loves you. And how much He wants a relationship with you. And out of that relationship, to not only enrich you, but enrich many others. Maybe right now, have you come to that place that you need to pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart? To be the boss and the Lord of your Savior? That you give Him your sins and He gives you His righteousness? That you give Him your death and He gives you His eternal life? I'd like to lead you in that prayer right now. Will you bow your heads and pray with me, please? If you've never asked Christ to be the Savior in your life, would you just pray along with me right now? You don't have to say it out loud or shout it from the rooftops, but you need to speak these words in your heart and mean them. Dear God, my life is nothing like what I would hope it to be. And I know it's nothing like what you would like for it to be. I failed in so many ways. But right now I come to you and I confess my sinfulness to you. I confess my rebelliousness and hard-headedness to you. And I ask you, Lord, by your strength, I, I don't want to be this way. 
I dare to believe that when you died on the cross, it was to take the punishment of my sins upon yourself. And when you rose again three days later, it was so that I might have your eternal life. I believe that. Come into my heart now, Lord Jesus. Cleanse me of all of my sin and shame and guilt. Come and be the boss of my life. I, I don't know how to, how to do this, but with you, I know you'll show me how. Come and be the boss in my life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Father, I know that you have never refused a prayer like that, and you never will. And those, those here today, for the very first time, has just made that prayer their own. Or somebody watching by our, our internet connections right now. So right now, Father, I just pray that you would cast your net over this congregation and tug at the heart of any of those that need to make that decision public. As I'll be right here at the front, and, and uh, Bob will be here, and Tony will be here. And we're, we're ready to receive those who have made this new decision so we can rejoice with them for what you're doing in their lives. Father, there are others of us who are devoted to you. But Lord, we've, uh, we've missed the boat when it comes to fellowship. And maybe we would have come to the altar and just pray and ask you to, to clarify what real fellowship is for us. Well, maybe there's some here that wants to join our fellowship and be a part of our church. Lord, this is your time. We want you to be exalted. Come as only you can. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.